The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Avengers Initiative, WandaVision. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, March 1st, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's WandaVision. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X... It wasn't Agatha all along. Oh, that was good. Yes, the musical stylings of the professor. I like it. And Priscilla Rocha. I have nothing to top that. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I'll send it to you, Priscilla, so you can have it as a ringtone. Yes, it's fantastic. Yes. So before I do the synopsis and, and all that kind of stuff, just a quick little odd and end, odds and ends type of thing. Um, something that I read that I thought was fascinating, and none of us here noticed it. So for the listeners, as well as for my co-hosts, uh, when you eventually do a rewatch of the entire series, maybe binge style, this is something to listen for. You know how every episode, starting with episode two, starts off with previously on WandaVision? Listen to how Elizabeth Olsen says it in each episode. It starts off very cheery in episode two and three, and then as the episodes go along, she sounds more and more almost exacerbated, or maybe even exhausted. Maybe it's her powers draining or something like that. But it's it's fascinating how... uh, how it changes in each episode. There's like the, her, the way that the different vocal inflection each time is really interesting. So something just to, if you're going to do a rewatch, take a listen to that. I, I saw a, um, a sort of, um, not a mashup, but um, a, a, just a quick cut. Uh, there was a video online of like her doing it in each episode and the tonal changes in her voice, you know, with each subsequent episode is really interesting. All right, on that note, let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 8, which was titled Previously On, and debuted February 26th, 2021, via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Wanda embarks on a troubling journey, revisiting her past for insight into her present and future. So let's dive into this, because we start off in spectacular fashion, uh, it, we start off actually in Salem, uh, 1693, and and we start off here after actually the uh, Marvel Studios logo transitions from a uh, its usual red background into a purple background, and then it poofs in uh, Agatha's magic. Fantastically, we see. Agatha Harkness, she's put on trial with um, her coven of witches, 
And uh, they basically are like, you have been researching magic that's above your pay grade. And, uh, and, and in essence, we have Agatha uh, saying, no, the, the magic bent to me. And uh, the, the witches are, I guess, trying to kill Agatha by blasting her with their blue-ish magic. But uh, she ends up... Um, you know, turning that around on them, and she ends up draining the coven uh, from their life force, or of their life force. And uh, the final witch, uh, whether it's her biological mother or the coven mother, you know, tries to, you know, use her magic, uh, you know, to stop Agatha, but Agatha ends up doing the same thing to her, draining her of her life force, I guess is what we'll call it. Uh, there's interesting dialogue here uh, because, um, in essence, uh, her mother was like, you know, you're bad. But Agatha is like, no, I, I can be good, um, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so uh, this was a flashback. I don't know if any of us anticipated it, but this was a flashback way back to the 1600s. Uh, what did we think of this? Uh, did it allow us to sympathize a little bit with Agatha? Uh, yeah, what do we think of this opening, uh, Priscilla? I don't know. It, it's it's so strange that like she's so good at acting, Catherine Hahn, that I'm that when she's like, I can be good. I was like, Yes, you can be. I know you can be good. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I love that. Leave you. Like, I believe that, that the magic to- just bent to your will. I believe you're the purple witch or whatever the hell they're going to call you. And that you just used a ton of magic because you're born with a ton of magic. And these witches just don't understand you. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. But I totally thought that she was being put on trial for, like, wrong errors. And she just defended herself against the other witches. That's interesting. You got suckered or or sucked into whatever Agatha was selling, which I like, because I'm not going to lie, I got sucked into it as well. You call me a sucker, but I did get sucked into it, and I I was believing her. I will say Marvel... You know, the the breakthroughs in technology, like the anti-aging stuff, I mean, was spectacular. I mean, that was Katherine Hahn, but they clearly de-aged her. And, it, I mean, it's just, it's a wonder what they can do with uh, this anti-aging stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's giving actors uh, new life, in, in essence. Um, it, it's fantastic. Professor, what did you think of the opening with the young Agatha Harkness uh, facing off against the coven? Which, uh, I will say, initially, it looked like it was, you know, sort of the stereotypical thing that we've seen with witches, where it's, you know, we're going to burn you at the stake and that sort of thing. But then when we see them sort of like, in essence, magically handcuff her to the stake. I was like, okay, this is a twist on a, the sort of uh, typical thing that we've seen with the Salem witch trials. Yeah, I, I really like that fact that it seemed like it was just going to be a standard, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the Puritans going, you're a witch, burn her. Um, and, you know, the fact that they set her up there and, you know, even as they were sitting up here, I thought, well, there's not any, you know, 
wood or anything piled up to burn the witch. So I don't know why they're doing this. But then when they, you know, bound her magically, it was like, oh, 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 this is this is a witch trial, but entirely different. It's a witch being judged by the other witches. Um, I really did like it. I mean, yes, I agree that the uh, the de-aging of Catherine Hahn was tremendous. I mean, it, it was uh, spectacularly good. Um uh, it, it was, you know, and it, I think it did give an interesting take to uh, her character because she, you know, she basically argued that she wasn't doing anything wrong. It was that the magic bent to her will. You know, it it wasn't that she was trying to do anything wrong. It's just that the magic did that for her, which is an interesting parallel to uh, to Wanda going forward. Um, uh, and yes, she did, you know, suck the life out of all the other witches, including her mother, and then took the brooch off of her mother's dead body, which is kind of creepy and not the sort of thing you would do unless you're, you know, kind of going to be a bad guy. But, oh, I thought it was such a, a strong and interesting way to open the series and also establish the fact that Agatha is very old and Consequently, probably very wise and very powerful, uh, you know, which is something we haven't gotten up until now, obviously, from comic books. You know, we, we had a suspicion that this is what Agnes would be or Agatha would be. But uh, to establish that she's been around this long means she must have learned quite a few good tricks. And uh, and that pays off in the rest of the episode as well. So I really thought that was a smart and strong opening for the episode because, you know, we we need to know who Agatha was. And something I said last week is I want to know, you know, how Agatha came to be, what her backstory was. Uh, as well as the the backstory, I wasn't anticipating the entire episode would be backstory, but uh, it it really set things up beautifully. For, I thought for this episode, mm-hmm. we learned how Agatha came along. Yes. All right. So before we head into the present day, because that was the only that was really the only old 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 flashback. We do get some uh, glimpses into the past as well. But we'll be discussing that in a moment. I want to um, just. Uh, set you guys up, both of you, my co-hosts, with two questions that I will be asking at the end of uh, our podcast, uh, right before we head into the MVP. So I want both of you to start thinking about it uh, as we're discussing the episode, because they are big questions. And um, and the reason why I mention it now is because I haven't told you guys that I'm going to be asking you this. But I want sort of like, you know, I want your brains just to start thinking about it. The first question that I will be asking you at the end is, so who's the big bad? After watching this episode, who do you think the big bad is? Because we have one episode left after this, so clearly there's going to be a conflict. Who do we think the actual big bad is of WandaVision? And uh, the second question that I will be asking both of you, I want bold predictions. We just have an episode left. This is the penultimate episode of the season. In essence, more than likely, the series. So what is going to happen in the next episode? I want to know who's going to survive, who's going to die, who's just going to poof from existence. Uh, Will we get a spectacular cameo from someone? Um, you know, Avengers-ish, or or maybe a tease of a big bad for a, uh, you know, a, one of the motion pictures. I, I want a bold prediction, or maybe a couple of bold predictions from uh, from both of you. So uh, just something to start thinking about as we d- continue to discuss this episode. And let's do that. So uh, we get a lot of exposition in the basement. A lot of really interesting stuff. Because, in essence, we learned that Agatha uh, sensed, you know, a, a large amount of magic, all these spells and that sort of thing. And that's what drew her 
to Westview. And I found that interesting because we had discussed something similar in previous podcasts. Like, in essence, we were talking about, like, some sort of big bad sensing the magic. And, and that's what we got. It was, well, it was Agatha that was sensing the magic. And she was questioning Wanda as to how she did it. And Wanda, you know, is sort of like, I, I don't know how I did this. Um, there was something that we didn't discuss. We discussed, like, everything about the previous episode. But the one thing that we didn't discuss was the fly. So in the previous episode, when Wanda is is uh, taken into Agatha's house and she sits down and she realizes, you know, like, where are the kids? There's, like, a large fly in the house. And, and the one thing that I would have said in the previous episode was, you know, usually when um, Mephisto so, sort of, like, uh, makes his presence known, it's, it starts off with the fly. Um, that was quickly dispelled in this episode, but the fly was used to sort of explain... Uh, different spells, uh, you know, uh, in, in essence, mind control and transmutation and that sort of thing. Uh, and um, Agatha uses it as as a means to explain that uh, whatever Wanda has been doing, it, clearly she's using a whole lot of magic to do it. Um, Professor, just really quickly, what what, what was your thoughts on um, just this scene in the basement where Agatha is interrogating Wanda about her magic? And um, did you think it was, um, and it was very exposition-y, but do you think it was important exposition to sort of set up what we were going to be seeing throughout the rest of the episode? Oh, very much so, because what they're sort of doing is setting up the idea that, you know, Agatha is someone who has spent hundreds of years, you know, developing her skills, learning the spells, etc., whereas Wanda is just doing it without understanding what she's doing. And the fact that Agatha could lure her into a trap like that and basically say that, you know, because we're here, where I set things up, you know, you are essentially, you know, powerless, um, you know, shows, you know, the, the value of knowledge over raw power. Obviously, Wanda is massively powerful, but Agatha is smarter. Uh, she's got more experience. She knows what she's doing. And that gives her the advantage over Wanda and really establishes early on, you know, the idea that we've had before, which is that, you know, wanting to know how Wanda is doing this, even though she hasn't had the training that she should have had in order to do that. And I think that's, you know, um, you know, uh, very well done. You know, the way that, uh, you know, Agatha is wandering around going, look, these basic spells, you, you don't know how I'm doing this. You don't even know these basic things. You don't even know what the runes are. You know, she's, you know, she's dealing with Wanda, who is obviously this, this massive source of power and doing stuff that she shouldn't be able to do. And, you know, it sort of sets up, you know, the, uh, the question we had, you know, uh, a couple of episodes ago where, uh, where Pietro uh, was asking her, hey, how'd you do this? You know, that's because, as we found out, you know, in the Agatha all along, it's because Agatha was Pietro's uh, eyes and ears. She's the whole thing about uh, Agatha has been she's trying to figure out how Wanda is doing this. And uh, I think this was, you know, really playing that up, you know. And again, early on in the episode, it wasn't clear because we had the Agatha all along. Was Agatha the bad guy? Was Agatha the big bad? Et cetera, et cetera. But no, Agatha is just someone who's trying to figure out what Wanda is doing and how she's doing it. And that has been consistent for the entire series when you look back on it with what we know now. So I thought this uh, this opening scene in the basement was really important, A, to establish that as powerful as Wanda is, she doesn't have the knowledge to use her powers effectively. Whereas Agatha uh, or Agnes is uh, is smarter uh, and is uh, is therefore going to be in control 
uh, you know, for the duration of the episode. So I thought it really set things up nicely. You know, the idea of someone, you know, it's a bit like, you know, if you're watching, you know, a bar fight between, you know, a really big guy who's just big and strong, so has never really had to learn how to fight versus someone who has learned, you know, how to fight, uh, you know, it won't be much of a fight because, you know, the person who knows what they're doing will be uh, victorious in the end. And that was the case with Agatha. Even though Agatha probably isn't anywhere near as powerful as the Scarlet Witch on her own, she knows what she's doing and lured her into a situation where she was trapped. So I think that was, you know, really good establishing that, you know, for the rest of the episode, it's going to be Agatha who's in control of the nar- the narrative. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Lots of really great points. I think the the first moment where um, Wanda kind of realizes that she's not in control when she tried to read uh, Agatha's mind was brilliantly played from both of them because there was a a sort of shock and almost fear on Elizabeth Olsen's face of like, you know, my powers aren't working on her. And there was just this wonderful confidence that Catherine Hahn exude, exuded as... Um, as Agatha, that, you know, she was like, oh, you think you can read my mind, so it's like, you've never been able to read my mind. Like, you know, what are you trying to do? Like, don't you know about any of this? It was uh, brilliant. There was also I a, think a tinge... I think she was trying to control her mind, the way she was controlling all the, like, other... Well, yeah, people. well, she said something like, you're trying to get into my mind. And so, um, I, that's what I meant to say. But um, what I, what I want to ask you about, Priscilla, that I thought was interesting about this opening as well, and it was also kind of sprinkled in throughout their interaction uh, throughout the episode, was the tinge of jealousy on Agatha's, from Agatha's point of view. The jealousy of, uh, you know, all of this spectacular magic that Wanda has been able to uh, create and um, and Agatha's inquisitive nature as to like how did you do it what did you think of that Priscilla man that stems all the way back to like the the flashback to the to the um, to the witches era back when she was like you opened the book and you started looking into things that weren't your own and she's like the magic just simply bent to my will like she she's interested in things like this because she's power hungry she wants more magic she wants more power and she wants to know how to control all of these magics so when she sees all of these spells being cast off at once and she sees someone doing that she's like oh shit someone someone else here has a lot of juice i need i need to know how they got this and i need to know how they how how to make this my own now mm-hmm. yeah in the words of lizzo blame it on the juice blame it blame it on the juice yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um all right so so all of that exposition was... I just want to step in. I'm not sure that I agree with that. I'm not sure that uh, Agnes wants to control the power or gain the power for herself. I think she is just curious as to what the hell is going on here. Okay. I, I don't think I disagree with that either. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to get a clearer explanation uh, from Agatha in the next episode. I do think there is... There is a curiosity. There is a little bit of a jealousy. There is... Um, hell, she's hella intrigued by what's going on. Uh, whether she... I, I think she wanted, in essence, to learn how to do it maybe herself. Clearly, at the end, she's she has a better understanding of what... Uh, 
that we're all dealing with. We'll get to that a little bit later. But um, there is an interest there from Agatha. And uh, that interest is what uh, forces um, Wanda to go through some real-life reruns, in essence. Uh, I mean, she was the star of her own sitcom, and now this is your life, baby. So Agatha, um, through magic... uh, she uh, she sends uh, herself and Wanda through a journey back in time so that she can uh, greater understand I- exactly what Wanda did in the present. What, what created basically the hex, as we've been calling it. And the first key moment that we visit is, oddly enough, and I was not expecting this when I watched it the first time, it's the night of the bomb. Because we've heard this story of the Stark bomb in the house and that sort of thing. And, and that's exactly the, the, the night that we see. It starts off lovely with uh, the Maximoff family uh, you know, practicing their English and uh, watching sitcoms. And, uh, and that night, uh, young Wanda was uh, allowed to choose the sitcom, and it was the Dick Van Dyke Show, the Walnut episode. I will say, point of personal privilege, when, uh, when um, Oleg like, ended up opening the, the suitcase with the TV shows on DVD, I actually own a whole bunch of those <laughs> box sets, which I thought was kind of crazy. And that special edition of the Dick Van Dyke Show, which is the complete series of the Dick Van Dyke Show, I own that one. And I was like, look at them having my damn DVDs on, on WandaVision. It was kind of neat. Um, because they could have just made generic boxes and stuff for shows, which they did have a couple generic boxes in them, but they, they actually got the rights to some of the, the real box sets, which is kind of uh, neat to see. So uh, while they're watching TV, that's when the bomb comes in. Parents die, and uh, they hide under the bed, uh, uh, you know, because the the bomb could explode. And Agatha kind of comes to the realization, or at least she deduces whether it's accurate or not. She feels like Wanda was born a witch, and uh, she was using some hex magic to, as uh, you know, to sort of. Um, you know, keep the bomb from exploding. You know, she was using, uh, she called it a probability hex. Wanda isn't fully sure of it, uh, but I think we are left wondering if that is what actually happened. Because uh, as uh, I think Agatha ends up saying, you know, so it was just, you know, this crazy luck that it didn't explode for two days. Uh, so let's talk about this scene. Priscilla, what did you think of young Wanda and, and the nights when, you know, things took a turn for the worse for her and uh, Pietro? Loud yeah, Pietro, was, I should say. That was a sad scene. I The, the child actors, they, they keep hiring for these scenes are aces because they played their parts perfectly. I thought that they did them well. I thought that they acted out Wanda and Pietro like really well. I just really wish that like I don't know. I wish I had seen the probability spell. I wish I had seen like maybe a spark of red coming out of her hand or something because like you said it leaves the viewer thinking is it really that Stark's technology failed for two days which is highly unlikely or is it that 
a baby which was born at this time and created a probability hex that she had no idea how to do. Which mm-hmm. is also highly unlikely because she doesn't know how to do magic yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting questions. I wonder if we'll ever get the answers to them, but uh, interesting questions. Professor, uh, so in this flashback, outside of uh, you know seeing this moment that has been discussed in the past, we also see where young Wanda's love of American television came from. Uh, we saw, you know, that the family was, you know, spent their time together watching sitcoms and, in essence, practicing their English. So we basically get the answer to why the sitcom format, which I, I think is really important. And uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was, um, you know, we got some callbacks to things we've seen on WandaVision. We clearly, the, the, the Stark toaster commercial from the very first episode, the 50s episode, we got the beep, beep, beep from the bomb there. We also got an interesting callback to also that same episode. Remember the Sokovian greeting of covering the eyes? We had a moment where, uh, where um, Irina ended up covering Wanda's eyes, which I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it's something that I noticed. Um, did you enjoy getting the answer to where Wanda's like love of sitcoms came from? I did, but I don't think it was a surprise in any way. I think we, we'd suspected this was going to be the case, you know, probably since our first podcast after episode two, you know, and, and you know, I, I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, something that I've done, you know, in the, uh, in the pandemic world is that, you know, as the world seems to be melting down and going totally crazy, I've just been immersing myself in old sitcoms and stuff like that and rewatching shows that I've watched in the past, uh, you know, just as essentially comfort food. And, you know, the idea that, uh, that Wanda is doing the same thing makes complete sense to me. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think the, the covering of the eyes was, you know, maybe stretching things a little far because, you know, I think if you, go back to episode one of uh, WandaVision. Obviously, that was a joke, you know, about the covering eye of eyes because, uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, uh, mistaking the, the boss for, uh, for Vision. And so I think that might be pushing things a little far, but uh, I did like it. You know, I like the idea that, you know, this was, you know, a ritual with the family. And by the way, you know, you notice the, uh, the mother and father, you know, reclining on the couch in exactly the way that uh, that Wanda and Vision do, you know, with the kids on the floor in front of them, you know, with, by the way, a pair of twins sitting watching TV in front of them, you know, re, you know, recreating that uh, that family dynamic. Uh, I thought it was great. You know, it, as I say, I, I don't think I was terribly surprised by a lot of what happened here, but I really liked the way they did it because it was filling in the pieces and uh, and building up the backstory to these characters. And, you know, um, you know, uh, not so much explaining in the sense of, oh, my God, what a surprise, more in terms of, ah, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. But, uh, no, I, I really like the fact that it was like that. And even the idea of, you know, her accent, you know, how it comes and it goes is because, you know, they established that, you know, when they're doing the TV night, they try to speak English. 
you know, they don't speak Sokovian. And uh, so for her, you know, the, the fact that she learned English from watching these TV shows makes sense that, you know, she would be speaking in the style and the cadence of these TV shows when she's living in that reality. So, again, you know, really nice job of, of bringing in the explanation of that, uh, you know, to uh, to sort of justify, you know, what we've uh, experienced for the past uh, seven or eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Two other things that I want to mention before we move to the next flashback. Oh, also, oh, yes. sorry, just wanted to mention a little thing. The idea of the probability hex in the comics, Scarlet Witch wasn't actually magical. She was a mutant, and what she had was what was called a probability hex. And this is something I've, I've mentioned in previous episodes, uh, which is that you know her her powers are like totally, you know, divorced from uh, from what they were in the comics. So her probability hex was she had the ability to affect probability within a, a limited field. So in this case, one could argue that that was, you know, a manifestation of her, you know, in the comic books, mutant power. The probability hex is she can affect probability. So by, you know, sort of reaching out and, you know, she affected the probability that the bomb would fail. Um, and uh, so, you know, that seems to be a little bit of a callback to her original powers in the comics as opposed to what she is in this series. Very interesting. Okay, so two points that I want to make before we move on to the next flashback. The first one is, in the in the episode in the Halloween episode, remember we had a quick flashback to a young Wanda and a young Pietro trick or treating. These actors were not the same actors. So uh, remember, at the end of that flashback, Wanda goes, "I don't remember it that way." Um, it, it goes to show that that was specifically for, in essence, the show. And I'm using the show in in air quotes. Uh, so I thought that was that was a neat choice, um, you know, having a different young Wanda and young Pietro for the actual real uh, flashback for the real story. And uh, the other thing that I thought was um, just you know just another thing that was just interesting about uh, Wanda and her love of sitcoms, which really you know just now goes back to to. Um, give a, a really interesting richness to what we saw in those first couple of episodes is, you know, she loves shenanigans. She loves like the mischief of, um, of sitcoms. And, uh, the one thing that she said at the end of it, um, you know, when the bomb came through and everything, you know, this is all, all, all be a dream. And, you know, when I wake up, everything will be fine because that's a sitcom, you know, a sitcom always has a happy ending. You know, there's always some resolution to whatever conflict is, is there in the episode. And, um, I, I thought that was, it was nice, you know, it's, it's just showed us that these sitcoms really had a strong effect on young Wanda. And it gives uh, what we saw, especially on those first couple episodes, that were more, more sitcom-heavy versus wrinkle-heavy. Um, you know, just uh, why there, were, there was always a happy ending at the end and, and why, uh, you know, it really fit. Um, they, they really did a strong uh, emphasis on the sitcom trope and, and the usual sitcom cliches. Also, uh, with that in mind, the episode that she chose to watch of the Dick Van Dyke show was an episode in which, you know, things went totally crazy and wrong. Uh, and it's because Dick Van Dyke's character, Rob Petrie, was having a dream in that episode. Yes. Yeah. A classic episode with the walnuts. If you've never seen it before, it's fantastic. I don't even think you need to see any of the other episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show for, for context. I mean, it's just a fantastic and classic episode of uh, 50s television. 
So the next flashback that we see, um, I will say that the way that we're seeing these flashbacks, uh, we sort of enter a new flashback uh, with uh, through an, um, a, a period-specific or location-specific door, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so uh, Agatha is still, you know, wondering, you know, where, where, well, what happened, you know, what sort of sparked something. And so the next one that we see is of Wanda. Uh, when uh, she initially volunteers to be experimented on by Hydra. And uh, she is told to approach the Mind Stone, and uh, it uh, ends up being attracted to her. And uh, we see the Mind Stone sort of burst, and in essence, what we're seeing is the Mind Stone probably activating, and as uh, Agatha says, maybe even augmenting her magical abilities. Uh, uh, It's strange, because I don't know how we're supposed to interpret what Hydra saw, because as it was happening, it looked like the Hydra people, the doctor, scientist, whatever you want to call them, were reacting to uh, Wanda and the stone, but then we see that they don't have uh, video footage of that, which uh, was interesting. Because you were on time. You okay, so like, that's how you're interpreting in that? The, okay. In the, in the series. We did see that in the series, yeah. So I guess maybe we, we, can, we can, yeah, okay. I'll go with that explanation. I can dig that. And um, there is a moment, though, where uh, she's watching the Brady Bunch. Uh, you know, it's, it's another sort of callback to uh, what we've seen with the sitcom trope earlier in the season. Um, but she ends up standing up and sort of, like, zooms in on what's going on on the TV. I don't really know how to interpret that, so I don't know if either of you have an answer to that. But um, Priscilla, since you were talking, what did you think of uh, this uh, this uh, flashback? Um, we, I should also say that when the Mind Stone kind of bursts, we see her see what I'm assuming is her future. Uh, we see a uh, particular costume that uh, we know is from the comics, if you know anything about the comics, in sort of shadow form. It's, um, it's quite fascinating. Uh, Priscilla, what's your take on uh, this, Hydra flashback, fla- this Hydra flashback? She sees herself as the Nexus being, so she sees herself, like, with her full power and her, like, full gear, maybe in another dimension or in another world where she wore that outfit or maybe it's herself in the future like it really doesn't matter because she is the nexus being so it's her in essence which is the same in every dimension okay that's an interesting take on it that activates her in this dimension ah interesting very interesting. Professor, what about you? What's your take on what we saw at uh, the Hydra facility? And what's your take on, um, I don't know, do you have an interpretation of the the scene at the end of that uh, flashback where she's watching the Brady Bunch and she just becomes sort of uh, almost entranced by what she's watching? Well, the, uh, the Mind Stone scene, my take is that that was the Scarlet Witch in the future reaching back to Wanda in the past. 
to activate her. So this is not a random thing. This is not necessarily, you know, a mindstone thing. I think this is going to be, you know, that uh, Wanda, when she, you know, fully manifests as the Scarlet Witch, will be reaching back through time to activate that power in herself, essentially bootstrapping her. As for the Brady Bunch scene, um, if you look at it, it was, you know, uh, the one character and the little girl playing with her doll and the doll insisting the doll was real to her. But the her brother was saying, no, it's it's just, you know, it's it's just stuff with straw and stuff like that. But the the girl was saying, no, but it's real to me and I love it. And if that's not a parallel for what's happening with vision in her present, what else could it be? Why else would they oh, chose that particular scene of the Brady Bunch? That's genius, Professor, because I was wondering what the hell? Why? You know, because honestly, if you were if you were just choosing the Brady Bunch to choose the Brady Bunch, you would have chosen a scene that had other characters from the Brady Bunch in it to have those two characters say exactly those things. I think that's that's obviously the idea that, you know, she when she was there, you know, in that uh, cage, she saw that scene about, you know, loving that doll, which wasn't technically real, but was real to her. That is vision in the present. That's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. A plus, Professor. A plus. I am um, dropping a mic on my end. I know, right? Yes. Uh, speaking of dropping mics, and I know that this line had to have been for us, but because like Agatha was like, "All right, you know, everything is starting to make sense," and then she goes, "I have a theory, but I need more." And I'm like, "That's basically been us for the past couple of weeks. We have theories, but we need more." And uh, so when a new door opens, uh, something that was really interesting that um, it, w- it was Agatha's reaction, because uh, this time around, as opposed to the previous doors, Wanda has been very hesitant to walk through them, especially the one that led to the Hydra compound. This one, she just quickly, willingly opened that door. And we see that it's because it's the Avengers compound. And this takes place after Pietro's death. It is when she's at the compound, and she's a stranger in a new land. And this was maybe the moment where Vision and and her connected, possibly for the very first time. Um, there's a, a fantastic conversation about grief, where uh, Wanda gives um, just uh, just the most eloquent. Um, monologue about what grief feels like and uh and vision you know has a spectacular line about what grief means and how it's love persevering and uh, we also see the sitcom trope come back because she's watching an episode of malcolm in the middle and um it, you know the the father in the episode you know he has like an entire deck collapse on him and uh, this is where uh, Wanda sort of explains to Vision that, no, you know, this isn't that type of show. He isn't really hurt. It's, there's always a happy ending, and everything is going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And, uh, and we see them connect and bond, uh, which was really nice to see. It was, it's kind of like a lost chapter in the Wanda and Vision saga. Professor, what did you think of uh, this flashback to Wanda at the Avengers compound? 
Oh gosh, it was it was so good. Well, just like everything else about this episode, it was so good. Uh, you know, one of the things that we didn't really get in you know the uh, you know the Avengers movies is we didn't get the chance to see you know Wanda and Vision falling in love. By the time we we met them in uh, Infinity War, they were already mid relationship. So this was sort of like showing the beginnings of that relationship, showing them you know um, uh, connecting with each other. Uh, and the way in which they connected with each other, I thought was was great. You know, a you know showing her once again, you know, dealing with trauma by retreating and you know watching these comforting sitcoms. You know, as you know, something that we've seen you know in the previous two uh, flashbacks as well. But then to get Vision to give that line, um, you know, about uh, grief is just love uh, persevering, which is you know I think entirely the the focus of this this whole series you know if if you're looking to to wrap all of one division up in one line that was the line um you know trying to deal with grief you know not being willing to let go of something you know the love won't give up the love won't let go uh and so when you're someone who does have the power to to make things real then obviously you're going to make things uh persevere in that way um boy it was it was just it was so so good and so moving like absolutely you know moving you know crushing you know if if you know the characters or even if you've just been watching this series but there was also just a little moment i think it was at this point that you know uh you know agatha who'd been you know totally you know cynical and and funny up to that point she kind of wiped away a tear Mm -hmm. at that point you know, uh, and I think that was the point where, you know, and, and again, I think it's showing that, you know, she's not just a cynical manipulator. She is someone who is, you know, experiencing it and feeling it uh, along with Wanda. And uh, oh, boy, just so, so good. Those those characters together. Um, like and again, even though, you know, technically Agatha was outside of it, her reaction to that uh, was just so good. Uh, boy, just, you know, like a scene that's just two people sitting there in a two shot talking to each other and that's all you need when you have really really good actors and really great writing like i don't think i've ever seen that line you know anywhere you know the idea that you know this is what grief is um to to sum it up in that way oh my god that was so cleverly written and so smart um and as i say i think as far as i'm concerned totally encapsulated everything this show is about yeah his line before that was really interesting as well because um clearly we know that they fall in love and uh visions you know sort of opens up by saying initially you know i i've been alone all my life like all i have is all of it all i've ever experienced is loneliness you know i've never had someone that you know i would miss in essence and i was like wow like that was just i mean i thought that was a beautiful line as well because clearly we know where their storyline goes also, I was kind of thinking, you know, in that moment that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Wanda was Vision's first and, and only love. Probably Vision was her first love as well, which mm-hmm. just makes it that much more crushing, you know, uh, you know, in, in the next flashback. Uh, you know, she it's not just, you know, dealing with someone that, you know, that you've lost. It's that her first her first love, um, I think, you know, just makes it that much uh, uh, more gut wrenching. Mm hmm. Yeah, big facts right there. Uh, Priscilla, I want to get your take on on this scene as well, and I also want to get your take on what the professor mentioned because I was going to end up mentioning this. You know, I I like focused on Agatha a lot in this episode, especially 
you know, in, in these sort of interstitials where we see her poking and prodding and uh, being incredibly cynical, being incredibly snarky, being almost like kind of exacerbated by Wanda and, and her, um, what she considered to be Wanda's like ineptitude of like not knowing how she did what she did with the hex. Um, and, and so I was like focused on her facial expressions, her reactions to everything. And I noticed the, the wiping away of the tear as well. I, I mean, she did that, but then she went back to sort of like being really cynical of like, you know, vision's dead, your parents dead, your brother's dead and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I get that she's doing that to get a reaction from Wanda so that she can find out, uh, what Wanda did, but there was a, there was a moment of humanity with uh, with Agatha. Did you notice that? And and um, was that a moment where you were like, you know, maybe questioning what Agatha was doing, or, or at least you know, questioning whether she was a villain per se? Yeah, when she wept the tear away, I'm like, is she trying to be a mentor to her? Is she trying to pull like? the magic out of her trying to say like no you need to learn how to control your magic you need to learn more about magic you need to learn why you did this you need to confront what you did like is that what she's trying to do with this is she trying to be the good guy is she actually the good guy and I was just left a little confused by that but when she went right back to being cynical and later on when you see her choking out the kids I'm like nope nope she's not being good she's just had a moment there where she like everyone else in the audience was affected by what Vision said in his beautiful words about guilt being the preservation of love and that was beautiful and something that would touch even the coldest of hearts. Yes, very true. There was another line. It was in um, the sort of uh, the, the setup for the Hydra flashback where she says something like, you know, because uh, Wanda is very hesitant to go back there. She was like, it's good medicine. You know, it, it'll be good for you, which I, you know, it, it was kind of snarky, but I felt like there was a little bit of truth to that as well, if um, you know, I'm being quite honest. Like my whole opinion about um, Agatha completely changed in this episode, especially by the end of the episode. So uh, let's get into the next flashback. So this is after Endgame, after Wanda gets blipped back. Um, initially, Wanda is hesitant to continue on, but. Um, but after uh, Agatha basically is like, you know, you wanted him back. You wanted Vision back. You know, what happened when Vision wasn't there to bring you back from the darkness? And that's what uh, allows Wanda to sort of push through. And we see her go to the sword compound. And she's basically like, I know he's here. I know Vision's here. I want his body. Um, we, we understand that she wants to bury him and, and that sort of thing. We see her, well, I should say there was a badass moment where she just, um, you know, cause the guy's like, I gotta let you through. Um, I gotta buzz you in or something like that. And she just uses her magic to get into the compound, which was spectacular. She meets Hayward for the very first time. 
And not that it should come as a surprise, but we learned that Hayward is a liar. Because we saw, in essence, edited footage of uh, of this interaction. And in episode four, was it? Uh, I believe um, we were led to believe that uh, Wanda broke into the sword facility and stole Vision's body. We see that Wanda was shown Vision's body um, and uh, she sees him broken up into many pieces. In essence, his corpse is mutilated. And um, and she's like, I just want to bury him. Uh, Hayward questions that, you know, with your powers and that sort of thing. She's like, nope, I I just want to bury him. He, I just want to give him a proper burial. And Hayward's like, well, I don't know if I want to, I want you to bury, you know, billions of dollars worth of vibranium. I don't know if that makes any sense. And in essence, he's like, you don't have any rights to him, period. She uh, breaks the glass and goes down to inspect the body. And in an echo to a line that she said in Avengers Infinity War, where she, um, you know, she uses magic on her on his forehead. And, and she's like, I just feel you. She says, I, I can't feel you. And uh, she leaves heartbroken so we're gonna stop right here because we're gonna discuss a whole bunch of other stuff in a moment let's talk about this scene in an incredibly uh sad scene but but um but a scene that we had been told about and we were told a different version of it hmm priscilla what did you think of this uh, sequence and uh, is this when you officially uh, made uh, the uh, confirmation that hayward is a douche Oh, God, that pissed me off so much. I was like, Hayward, you scumbag, you utter piece of shit. I know, right? Shit from you. All I could think of was Kathy Bates from American Horror Story, Coven. Lies. Lies, lies, lies. This is so true, yes. That totally was going through my head. Like... He invited her in. Even when she broke the windows, he was like, no, it's fine. Let her see. Like, all this time, she had permission to do what she did. And she left peaceably. She left without any bit of him, like, bit of his corpse, I should say, because he wasn't there. He wasn't there for her anymore. She didn't feel him there. She couldn't bring him back to life the way he was baiting her. The whole time he was baiting her to put him back together with her magic. Because that's what he wanted. Oh, God. Like, this this might be getting early, but uh, he's totally my villain. Fuck him. I hate him. Okay. Well, nice. I like that. <laughs> Professor, what about you? What did you think of the sequence at the S.W.O.R.D. facility? It was really good. You know, sort of showing her uh, her frustration, you know, dealing with the bureaucracy uh, and then, you know, going into uh, Haywood's office. And, you know, the a couple of lines he said, you know, about, you know, 
it's not like he could she could bring him back or anything like that. And it did seem like he was trying to goad her in that direction, um, because as we you know, as we find out by the end of the episode, his whole focus is to get vision up and running again as a sentient weapon. So, you know, uh, seeing that scene from that perspective, as opposed to the uh, heavily edited version that uh, he showed uh, early on in the series, uh, you know, again, I don't think it was a surprise necessarily because we sort of had suspected this and, and speculated on this in previous episodes. But, uh, you know, getting that uh, that revelation, um, I thought uh, was really good and also set up the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the post credit scene tremendously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen was fantastic. Just, I mean, she was fantastic throughout the entire episode, but um, just the, the emotions that she brought in uh, this scene was spectacular. You know, that single teardrop uh, before she ended up, uh, you know, uh, um, shattering the window was uh, awesome. And um, what was interesting is we had seen his office before. Uh, we saw when uh, when Monica first showed up. I mean, that was his office. And we saw the window. We just had no idea what was going on down there at all. Um, that was hella hella interesting and intriguing and and clearly um you know that was after uh what happened with uh, with Wanda uh, it's just yeah it gives that office a whole new meaning and a whole new look uh especially you know if we're going to go back and rewatch um, that scene with uh Monica way back in episode 4 all right so moving right along we uh you know Wanda ends up going to the car. I should say her car is a lovely shade of red. And uh, there's an envelope in the passenger seat, and we just see her drive. And she drives to Westview, New Jersey. And we see Westview. And in essence, Westview is a small town that, you know, it's not seeing the best of days. We, um, we see some of our... Familiar people are Westviewites, um, you know, just looking maybe not the happiest. And uh, we see her drive to uh, to an empty plot of land where there's sort of like the um, the skeleton of what will be a house. And we see that what was in the envelope is the deed to that land. And uh, it says, uh, you know, Vision had, had written on it, you know, to grow old in, V, and a little heart. And in essence, this is the home that Vision bought for them. And uh, remember, we had learned that um, it was in the, the episode, the Halloween episode, where uh, Pietro was uh, questioning Wanda about, you know, how did this happen? You know, she was lonely, she was at her darkest point, and we see that moment, and we see the magic sort of just uh, shoot out of Wanda, and it builds a house around her, it transforms Westview, so we see the um, the uh, start of the hex, and her magic also creates the vision that we've seen in Westview, and we see him welcome her home and and then we we see Wanda, you know, watching herself and Vision in the black and white world. And um 
Yeah, and, uh, well, I guess we'll continue on. Might as well, because it's just a short little moment. So, uh, uh, Agatha claps, and she she realizes what has happened. She magics herself away. She's outside. She's got the kids, uh, the, you know... I don't know what you call it. it. It's like it's like those those chains that they that they put the kids on so they can't run away. Except that she's actually choking them, and she's like, "I know what you are. I know what this is. You know, it's this is chaos magic. You know, you don't even know how dangerous you are. You could do anything, and you're but you're having breakfast for dinner." She's like, "This is chaos magic, and you're this mythical creature that I've heard of. You're the Scarlet Witch." And that's where the episode ends. We'll talk about the, the mid credit scene in, in a moment. So we see the initiation of, or the, the, um, the yeah, the initiation, the, the, the initial moment that the hex was created. It was Wanda all along, in essence. It was Wanda's grief. It was her at her darkest point. Priscilla, talk to me about it. Talk to me about the visuals. Um, yeah, I'll ask as a separate question, um, about what, uh, what, um, what, uh, Agatha says. Yeah. So let's focus specifically right now on, uh, the Hex and Westview and all that kind of stuff. I noticed right away that it does like this kind of like QB magic, kind of like how the House of M and the other like comics that are related to the house of m like has that sort of like hexagonal like qb magic too that the scarlet witch has when she like erased and rewrote the entire like cosmos to bend to her will at that time so i was like nice going marvel looking back at your comics and using that for your art direction in this in this go round. it's nice i like that um, I also liked the fact that um, you had the background ad advertisements change to um, oh, what was it again? One well, one of them was like the paper towels clean up in a clean up in a snap, clean up in a Thanos snap or something like that. It said something about Thanos, and I was like, what? Oh my god! I had to pause that and see. And, um, like, I was just amazed that she she just uses stuff that's her pain and uses stuff that's, like, her her memories. And she uses it again in in the ads in around the town. And that's exactly what we theorized on the show. So it's fitting. But, um... I also was looking around this episode and as I was watching this I was like wow she's going through so much heartbreak but she's using so much power to just rewrite an entire town and to bend to her will and she's recreating vision she's she didn't do what Hayward said and stole vision or the 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 parts didn't just kind of fly from sword and go there and she didn't use the rudimentary parts she created him all over again mm -hmm. which makes me wonder if that's why he was breaking apart once he left the hex because he's part of the hex and he has to be within its 
confines to Mm -hmm. survive. And if so, does that mean we're going to lose him in the future? Mm -hmm. It's a very important question. I feel like we'll be getting an answer to that, at least in the bold prediction section in, Mm -hmm. in a little bit. Yeah, a lot of really interesting points, uh, Priscilla. Professor, what about you? Uh, the Hex and Westview, what did you think of that sequence? Well, I think someone on this podcast said many episodes ago that Wanda was the big bad. Wanda was doing everything. She wasn't being manipulated into this. She, was, she wasn't being dropped in some artificial creation uh, or anything like that. This was her dealing with her grief, and I think this established that. Wanda started the whole thing. You know, it was Wanda all along, as you said. And I think they did a great job of of doing that and, uh, you know, establishing that fact that, you know, it wasn't that, you know, Mephisto was, you know, the bunny or the bug or anything like that. Uh, This was Wanda dealing with her grief and, you know, her powers just erupted and, you know, rewrote reality, uh, you know, in that community. And uh, I thought they did a great job of, of sort of explaining how she got to that point. You know, she has lost so much and then having that, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, the the property that Vision bought for them, um, you know, just pushed her over the edge. And, uh, you know, I thought the uh, the special effects were great. Uh, you know, um, it's it's amazing how Elizabeth Olsen can bend herself back like that uh, and not fall to the ground as most of us would, uh, you know, when bending over backwards quite that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I thought it was it was really, really good. And just, you know, that emotional punch in the gut of, you know, coming to this location and finding that Vision had bought this plot of land for them to grow old together in this, you know, otherwise unremarkable little community. And, you know, and, you know, getting back to, you know, uh, something we saw a couple of episodes ago uh, when uh, when uh, fake Pietro was uh, was under Agatha's control and, you know, mentioned that, you know, you know, all the same people, better jobs and stuff like that. And we saw them in their previous jobs and what Westview was like before one took it over. So it's kind of interesting in that, you know, within Wanda's hex bubble, things are actually better. People do have better lives aside from the fact that they have no um you know uh no agency and and no no real control um but you know they're leading better lives with better jobs i did find it interesting that you know we didn't see most of the characters we did not see dotty couldn't help but notice that mhm that is true yeah um yeah i i noticed that it, it it you know what what you referenced professor like she did make their lives better i do still remember what um what uh, I believe his name is Norm, his uh, Vision's coworker, and when he got snapped out, like there was uh, fear in his voice, and uh, you know he wanted to call his sister. So even though she did make their lives better, um, you know she she is controlling them. I mean, Agatha even says it, uh, you know, in, in the setup scene in the basement. She's like, you know, you're controlling all these people. You're giving them you know, complex storylines, you know, you're controlling people all, all the way to the edge of town, even though we, we did see in uh, the Halloween episode that, you know, the further away from, I guess, maybe Wanda, the, um, the, the sort of, um, the NPCs, you know, kind of freeze. Um, it's, it's almost like when the Sims freeze or something like that. So, uh, so she does have control over them, but it's it's not as strong. But she, but she's still controlling them, which is fascinating. And you know, it uh, led Agatha to really wonder and marvel, uh, no pun intended, at uh, Wanda's powers. 
So speaking of that, so let's talk about the scene with uh, Agatha. In essence, she's telling us what anybody that knows about Wanda Maximoff already knows. I mean, she's sort of spelling it out for maybe the casual Marvel viewer. Once again, there was another meme that was similar to the one, you know, where Agatha revealed that, uh, or Agnes revealed that she's Agatha Harkness. You know, it was a meme that said, that was like, you know, I know that uh, Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. I know that she uses chaos magic. But then it's like, and then it says, you know, Agatha tells us that she's a Scarlet Witch and that she uses chaos magic. And then the meme is like, of you know, someone's whose jaw is dropping down to the ground because we're all like, oh, my God. And it's not necessarily, oh, my God, because it's brand new information. It's kind of like, oh, my God, because this is brand new information in the MCU. You know, this was the first time those two words have ever been said, Scarlet Witch. It's the first time the term chaos magic has been used. So it's it's fascinating. But, um, you know, I know it wasn't a surprise to both of you, but what did we think of this moment? Because it was certainly a game changer as far as Wanda, you know, as a character, period, in the MCU. I'll just open it up to the floor, whoever wants to chat about it first. I liked it. I like the fact that, uh, you know, uh, this, you know, Wanda as the Scarlet Witch isn't just, you know, a random mutant or a random altered human or something like that. She is this, you know, mythical figure uh, that, you know, presumably magic users like Agatha have known about for a very long time. So, you know, it, it ties her into, you know, a larger magical uh, mythology uh, and, and gives her justification for the name because really there's no reason to call uh, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, you know, she, you know, she did technically wear, you know, a, uh, a cool red leather duster, uh, but there was nothing, you know, all that scarlet about her. So the idea of, of tying her into that, uh, that background gives her a reason for the, the name to exist, um, you know, in a way that, you know, th- there's no real justification for calling her that otherwise. So I thought it was, you know, a, a clever little bit of, uh, of, uh, of fan service or, uh, you know, a retroactive uh, explanation, much like, you know, as I said, you know, most of what happened in this episode, with the exception of, you know, the, the mid credit scene that we'll talk about in a minute, you know, nothing about this episode really surprised me. It was all just filling in the pieces in a way that I thought, you know, worked and, and you know, filled in, you know, kind of what I expected it to be, um, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know, Agatha being the one to give her the name, you know, made total sense. And, you know, gives a justification for, you know, uh, Wanda as the Scarlet Witch continuing going forward. Priscilla, what about you? Your thoughts on uh, the ending of this episode? We'll get into the mid-credits in a moment. Man, to finally hear Scarlet Witch, to finally hear Chaos Magic, this is great. This is finally, like, injecting it in. We totally thought that we were going to get mutants, or the M-word said, at some point during this series. And, of course, like, I felt that we weren't going to get something that big in this series, but we were going to get something big. And this is a big thing. We're, We're getting the start, I would say, of the mutants with the start of one of them, at the very least, with the Scarlet Witch and chaos magic being brought to brought to life here we're finally erasing whedon's bullshit and starting fresh with something new and something innovative and something that fits marvel as it is now and i love it bring me more of this i love it 
more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? All right, this mid credit scene. Good grief. Okay, so I should say, a little note, this was the very first episode of the series that A, did not have an opening theme song, B, did not have a commercial, and uh, C, did not have Please Stand By. Usually at the end of the episode, it flashes Please Stand By. It did not say Please Stand By. Um, Episode 4 did not have an opening theme or a commercial, but it did have the Please Stand By. So this was the very first episode that didn't have either of those three things, which has become standard on WandaVision. So we get a mid-credit scene, or second mid-credit scene, and uh, we basically get a greater understanding as to what Project Cataract is. We learn that Hayward and Sword, they've tried, in essence, millions of ways of putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I guess they finally figured it out. And uh, they figured out a way to power it up, because they did not have an energy source uh, to power up this um, this new whitish gray, grayish white vision. They end up using the drone that Wanda tossed at them back in episode four. They use the chaos magic from it as this Project Cataract vision, um, vision's power source. So we see him power up. Dun dun dun. So, what did we think of this mid credit scene? Clearly, it's setting things up for what should be a, a spectacular finale with uh, probably some sort of um, uh, altercation between, um, what, do you, what would we call him, Hex Vision and uh, Cataract Vision. I think he's Blank Vision. Blank Vision. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Looks like that in the comics. But... Yeah. Yeah. He he is from the comics, uh, Professor. Okay, uh, I've been kind of a jerk in this uh, this whole episode talking about oh it was all things that I predicted and I said this episodes ago and everything like that. I did not see this coming. I was totally gobsmacked. My jaw hit the ground. Uh, it should have been obvious because you know they they established earlier in the episode that Wanda did not in fact take Vision's parts into the hex to recreate Vision, which means the parts were still there. So it made perfect sense, but. In that moment of seeing, you know, the the white vision, uh, I just went, oh, my God, I totally did not see that coming. Uh, really surprised. I'm really curious as to, you know, when this new vision speaks, what his voice will be. Will it be uh, Paul Bettany? Will it be James Spader? Uh, you know, because if there's no vision in there. As you know, there's you know, there's no reason for him to speak like Paul Bettany. So it yeah. could be James Spader using the you know, sort of Ultron voice. Um, I don't know. Um, it, it will be interesting, but yeah, it, it totally took me by surprise. Uh, you know, it, it showed that you know Hayward was you know trying to you know his whole purpose was to get this thing online. So presumably they're going to send it into the hex, and we're going to have a battle to you know save you know. Uh, you know, it'll be, you know, vision versus vision, you know, double vision, possible title for the final episode. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it, it wow, it totally took me by surprise. Uh, and again, comic book accurate, you know, because when they had the original vision and he had, you know, his uh, his uh, his memory, and his personality extracted, what was left was this ghostly white vision. And uh, by the way, curiously enough, you know, just uh, I was you know reading something about that. Apparently, that was the original vision was always supposed to be this ghostly white figure, um, you know, from the beginning, because he was supposed to be a vision, you know, which is, you know, a term for you know, a ghost. Uh, but uh, the uh, the colorist decided it didn't look good. So it gave him the uh, the, the red and uh, green coloring and yellow uh, that was uh, his character for so long, which, you know, it was just, a, you know, sort of interesting little uh, callback to that. But yes, the uh, the idea of the uh, the uh, the remorseless, emotionless vision um, is certainly comic book comic book accurate, and you know, presumably, you know, Hayward's going to send him into the hex to do battle with uh, with uh, with Wanda. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yes, uh, I, I like your Ultron ideas, just because the internet has been obsessed. With Ultron, as I mentioned before, you know it's been trending a lot with uh, WandaVision. But there is a theory online. Some people think Ultron is coming back for some reason, and they they are wondering if Ultron will be in this new Vision. Some people think, and it 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 is um, canon in I think the Avengers cartoon or something or at least in one of the marvel cartoons where ultron does return as a human and some people think hayward is ultron i don't know if i want to believe that but it's an interesting theory nonetheless i feel like all of the theories out there have not come true which is a good thing because that means you know that we could have we could have seen that coming you know whether it's mephisto or nightmare or Cthon or grim reaper you know we were all sort of uh, you know wrapped up in like easter eggs and that sort of thing and it turned out there wasn't any of that which is a good thing i would say you know it, it has been the series has been very surprising which has been quite Nice. Although there is some stuff that we could predict based off of just, you know, from things uh, in a narrative point of view. Um, anything else to add? And if you were wondering yes. why, uh, you know, after watching the early episodes of WandaVision, you know, Disney Plus kept pushing you to watch Age of Ultron. Oh, there was a reason for that. Oh, totally. But I I said this, I think it was in the first episode. Age of Ultron is probably one of the most important movies in the MCU, point blank, and the period. Uh, so much was set up in that uh, film that, you know, it's still sort of paying off. Yeah. Uh, Priscilla, what about you? Anything else to add? Uh, were you were you done expressing your uh, POV on uh, the mid-credits? On Hayward and the blank vision? Yes. Um... I have some theories as to what's going to happen, but that leads to the question that you asked. Oh, okay, so. so you have bold predictions. Yes, I have bold predictions. Okay, okay, all right. So before we get into that, um, I want to just ask a couple of questions. So before I before I ask you the, the, the official questions that I asked, uh, TVLine.com actually released an article today that uh, I thought was interesting because it was like, it's titled 11 burning questions we need answered in the upcoming finale. And I read the questions and I was like, well, I don't think we're going to get the answers to all of these because some of them are, are I think important. And some of them I think will be questions that will be answered in subsequent 
films. But I wanted to get your take on it. Like, I don't necessarily need your answer to the question, but I am curious if you all think they will be answered in this final episode. So um, the first question is, who is Jimmy's witness? Remember the, the witness that he had in, in witness protection? Do you think that's something that needs to be answered? Or do you think it was just a means to get Wu to Westview? I think they should answer it. You know, there's, I, there's no reason not to answer it. Okay. Yeah, I think they should answer it. I think it's an easy enough thing to just be like at the very end, him talking to someone. At the, it, it, and it doesn't even matter if it's a throwaway character or it's a background character or if it's the postman or the pizza guy like it just it's just something to do okay the next question that they had is who is monica's engineer friend do we think it's going to get answered in the next episode or is this something that might maybe might follow monica the next time we see her oh that's gonna follow monica the next time we see her I honestly don't know. They they did sort of set it up in a way that it felt like it was going to be more significant. It's entirely possible that it's it's just you know the uh, you know the the colonel or the captain or whatever it was uh, who had it there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I could sort of totally see it being you know just a uh, a uh, a post credits thing where it's uh, you know it's either Reed, someone named Reed or you know someone who reveals himself as a scroll. Oh, interesting. The next two questions we have to get answers to, I feel, in the next episode. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's what's Hayward's endgame and what's Agatha's endgame. So I feel like we need answers to that in the next episode. So I, I feel like we all agree with that, yes? I think we already have them. You know, okay. uh, Hayward's uh, endgame was to get the sentient weapon up and running. And Agatha's endgame was figuring out what's going on with this, uh, this new source of magic. Okay. I don't disagree with that. Uh, the next question that they had is, does Ralph really exist? Will we get that answer in the next episode? Do we need it? I don't I, think we need it. Yeah, I don't think we need it. And also, I don't think there is a Ralph because when Agatha, you know, during the Agatha all along, we saw Agatha sort of fly into uh, to Westview uh, as a witch and transform herself. There was no husband. So if there was a husband, it would have had to be someone that she picked up from the... Uh, uh, from the reality. So my guess is there's no Ralph. Okay. Will another villain be introduced? Do you think we might get a tease uh, for you know one of the subsequent films, whether it's Spider-Man 3 or Doctor Strange? Uh, this, this might uh, lead maybe into someone's bold prediction, maybe. But it is a question TV Line had. Uh, do we think a villain will be introduced? I say no, because I've said for, you know, the past five or six episodes, you know, Wanda is the big bad. So uh, introducing a villain at this point would be superfluous unless it was in the form of a, uh, a mid credit or post credit after the episode of, you know, some, you know, extra dimensional entity who's, uh, you know, sensed this new source of power. Uh, but I don't think it'll be a sense of, you know, introducing a new villain in the, uh, the direct context of WandaVision. Yeah, I agree with with um, Professor X. I think it's going to be a post credit scene with um, just a shot of somebody awakening to this new power that they've felt in the air of chaos magic. Okay, just a couple questions left that they had. Uh, the next one is, uh, what's that big casting surprise? So I don't know if 
both of you have followed WandaVision news, but Elizabeth Olsen in an interview said she was really excited about an appearance that hadn't been leaked. Um, she said, uh, I think in the article it said something like that it was a um, Skywalker-sized uh, uh, or Skywalker potential um, cameo. Um, if you've seen The Mandalorian, you know what I'm referring to. Uh, Paul Bettany, in another interview, similarly t- similarly teased that um, he worked for an act with an actor that he's always wanted to work with, um, and that sort of thing. Although some people now think that maybe he was being cheeky, and in essence, he was talking about himself. You know, Paul Bettany working with himself uh, because of now we have the double visions. Um, but, uh, do we think there might be some sort of secret cameo that, uh, we don't know about? Do we think? I don't think so. I think it's too late in the game. I honestly think it's just going to be, um, Paul Bettany working with himself. Okay. Professor, you would agree? Uh, well, I think, I think, yeah, it's definitely, uh, Paul Bettany, uh, playing off opposite himself. But uh, I think in terms of, you know, uh, cameos, uh, it, it's gotta be Cumberbatch. Okay. Uh, the next question is, I, I feel we all agree we have to get the answer to in the next episode. Where are Monica and Pietro? Yes, we need to know that. Um, the other question they had is, what happened between Monica and Captain Marvel? I, I don't think this is something that we'll even get referenced to in the next episode. I think this is something that will probably be discussed in Captain Marvel too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, another question that I'm sure Professor has, uh, does Dottie have a bigger role to play? Like, we haven't seen Dottie. Like, do we think this is something that will be answered? Or do we think that this was just Emma Caulfield being on the show with kind of fan service for fans of genre television? I think there has to be something more with Dottie. Um, Whether she turns out to be uh, Jimmy Woo's... uh you know, informant or something like that. But there has to be more to it than than just, you know, because she did have a big role and we have seen her a couple of times, you know, in the, uh, uh, you know, in just, you know, uh, flashes of various characters. I, I think there has to be more to it uh, than that. Okay, Priscilla, do you agree? Yeah, I, I, I agree too. Okay, and their final question is, is Wanda a mutant? Do we think we will get the answer to that in the next episode? Is that something that might be explored in one of the subsequent films? Or do you think it's just going to be that she's, you know, the Scarlet Witch, this mythical uh, witch figure? I, I know the professor, you kind of already gave your answer to that. I don't know if you want to expand on that. I don't know if, Priscilla, if you agreed with, with what the professor said. Well, I think she had an innate ability, which was brought out by either the Infinity Stone or by her reaching back through time to uh, to bring that out. But the the question then becomes, what about Pietro? Why did Pietro have those powers? Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I, I read a theory online. Some people were like, you know, maybe once her powers were, uh, you know, sort of awakened by the stone, she in essence used, maybe without even knowing, some magic to protect Pietro from the stones, maybe uh, lethal, um, lethal nature and that sort of thing. And, and that's how it worked. I When I read it, I was like, uh, that's kind of like a, a strong reach. Um, so I don't know if I buy that. So clearly the stone awakens something in Pietro as well. Priscilla, what about you? Your thoughts on the M word? I think we're not going to get the M word this um, TV series, but I think we're going to get it in the movies. Okay, I, I do agree with that. 
All right, so now it's time for my big questions. The first one is, so who's the big bad? After this episode, after watching everything that we watched, after watching Wanda in the past, after getting maybe a, a greater understanding of Agatha as she sort of poked and prodded uh, Wanda's uh, visions of the past, uh, who's the big bad, in your opinion? Grief. Oh, that's so existential. I love it. I kind of agree. I feel like, uh, not to make it, an, all right, to not make it non-accidental, but um, I feel like had Hayward just given the body to be buried, it would have let her grieve in a way that would have been healthy, that wouldn't have been just a shooting out of chaos magic everywhere. That would have been focused on something, on a body being buried, on the way normal people grieve. Mm-hmm. She, like the way she grieved for her brother, I would assume, by burying his body. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know. Like, a part of me wants to say, like, oh my god, it's Hayward for bringing up Cataract. Because you know for sure that Cataract is going to fight against Vision. It's just going to be a thing. But um that's usually what happens biologically speaking. Yeah. But um for the other thing I hate to say it but the 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 main villain here is Wanda. See that's interesting. Cuz I have my own take on it cuz like I mean, I mean okay. So well let me well um well okay so let me answer this first. So at the end of the previous episode, you know, Agatha all along, we, you know, we ended it with like, oh my god, you know, was she really behind all this? Was she, you know, this, that, or the other? And um, and it, it did make me question Agatha. And I, like, I think I remember saying, you know, I, and I've said this before, I think, uh, you know, I just, I don't want Agatha as the villain. Because I like the idea of Agatha with how they've used her in the comics. And I, I want a sort of mentor type of character for Wanda. You know, someone that will help her, you know, live her best potential life possible and that sort of thing. Um, and plus, I like Catherine Hahn as, you know, she's fantastic in the character, uh, whether she's full-on witch or she's, you know, uh, dressed in, in modern attire and that sort of thing. She's just fantastic. So I feel like this episode wrote an out for Agatha being a full-on villain. Even though we did see her do villainous things, we saw her suck the life force out of the entire coven, or at least some of the covenites, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, But um, I I do think, you know, that that was hundreds of years ago, and it looks like she's evolved. And I I believe she won't be seen as an antagonistic figure, maybe moving forward. At least that's my hope. She is kind of choking children at the moment so there is that wanda as far as being a big bad because i the way i see a big bad i see them as a character that maybe potentially can't be redeemed you know maybe did they cross a line that's way too much and that sort of thing and we've talked about you know will wanda cross the line will this be you know will the series be something that sets wanda up as a villain maybe in doctor strange 2 and that stuff and i don't know if we're going to 
get that. I mean, basically, we have to wait on what happens in the next episode, because maybe something will happen where Wanda will fully crack. Um, we don't know that yet. We, bold prediction time is, is coming up. But if that doesn't happen, I don't know if I would really call Wanda the big bad. I mean, she has taken an entire community hostage. Um, but I think over the course of, you know, Doctor Strange or something, uh, I think this will be an incident kind of like what happened in Sokovia or in Lagos, where uh, Wanda will be forgiven for this. Um, I don't think she's crossed a line yet, especially because we saw that she didn't do it in a malicious way. She did it because it was this chaos magic that she doesn't know how to control, and she did it because she was grieving. So I think they've written an out for Wanda being the villain. Now, as far as Hayward, I think he's the villain. I think, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know if he's going to get his comeuppance. Um, I did read a theory online, um, because um, in the film world, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home takes place several months after the blip, as they call it, when people returned. So some people think that maybe Nick Fury could be a cameo, and Nick Fury could take over S.W.O.R.D., from Hayward, because in essence, whatever could happen in the next episode could be a big failure on Hayward's part. And I'm like, you know what, that would make sense, potentially, um, storyline-wise, because if that uh, end credit scene in Spider-Man Far From Home with Nick Fury up in space with the scrolls, if that means maybe that he's in charge of S.W.O.R.D., you know, maybe that could be rewritten as him being in charge of S.W.O.R.D., then I could kind of dig that, and I could buy it, and I could get it. But I do think uh, Hayward's comeuppance will happen in the next episode, because I feel like he is the big bad sort of period of WandaVision. He's going to be the antagonist. He has been the antagonist. All right, bold prediction. Bold prediction. I know I kind of gave, I guess, one in, in that, but bold prediction time. What is 100% going to happen? What do you feel 100% will happen in the season slash series finale of Wanda Vision? Professor, I think you're ready to go. Uh, well, I've been saying pretty much since episode three, Vision's got to die. Uh, and certainly our version of Vision is going to die. Um, whether White Vision will continue on in some form, I don't know. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, the vision that, uh, that Wanda reanimated, uh, is gone. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm sort of hoping that, you know, white vision, you know, uh, you know, depending on what they do with them, um, you know, uh, goes as well. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I do know that, you know, our vision, you know, the vision that we've come to know and love, uh, will die. Um, I think. You have to have Doctor Strange show up simply because if he doesn't, he's the worst Sorcerer Supreme ever. You know, Agatha <laughs> detected this going on, but he didn't. Um, the way I want it to play out is, you know, maybe towards the end of it or maybe at the very end of it, you know, glowing, uh, you know, circle of light. Doctor Strange steps through, uh, sees Agatha, nods to her and goes, Miss Harkness. Uh, Agatha goes, Stephen indicating that they know each other. They have a past history. You know, they're familiar with each other. They've worked with each other in the past. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think, you know, if we're, but I don't think that could be the, the big, uh, cameo that, uh, that Elizabeth Olsen was talking about because it's so obvious that Dr. Strange should come in, not just because 
there's magical shit going on, but because we know that, you know, she's going to be in Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness. So we kind of have to have Dr. Strange show up. It, it's almost, you know, a plot armor situation. So I do think that, you know, Hayward will be, uh, you know, uh, removed from power. And I think, you know, uh, Nick Fury will show up, take control of sword. And that will explain what we saw at the end of, uh, of uh, Spider-Man far from home. Okay. I like all of that. Priscilla, what about you? Bold predictions, please. I don't think Nick Fury will take over S.W.O.R.D. I think Monica will take over S.W.O.R.D. Ooh. And I think that for Vision dying, I think he's going to merge with Blank Vision and create Vision again. A new Vision? Yes, a new Vision, I would say. Like... He, he's going to create himself whole once again. Something that can walk out of the hex and walk out alive. And I think that's where, like, she she can create the Mind Stone or something to that effect to put on his forehead to bring him back to life. To bring him back to being complete vision her vision oh i would say that um what else like what else can i say that's a bold prediction because i think the sorcerer supreme is going to come too just because as as, as shitty as it sounds it's true he he would be a really shitty sorcerer supreme if he didn't notice that there's magics being batted around everywhere and he's not taking care of shit. And he's in the New York aisle. Like this is where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be nearby. Yeah. I want to push back against uh the uh the, the vision restoration thing. If that's the case, it totally guts this entire series. Why did we watch it? The whole point of it was that Wanda had to deal with grief. She had to deal with the loss. And find a way to move on. If she just recreates Vision, that would be a total cop-out for the series. Vision has to die in order for this series to have any meaning. Uh, well, I didn't say, well, you mm-hmm. don't know if, if the kids are going to die, though. Because oh, the kids are God. constructs of the hex. True, but I think it's, it's more significant that, you know, because she started this whole thing because she couldn't deal with the loss of Vision. If at the end of it she gets Vision back, I think it, it totally... It would be like, why do we spend nine episodes watching this? Uh, I think he has to die or, you know, the vision that we know dies. And the only one that continues is Paul Bettany in white makeup, but a total soulless, emotionless, uh, you know, uh, android that, you know, she has no connection with. But I think she has to have the loss. And that's the point of this whole series is dealing with loss. I don't disagree with you, Professor, at all. But I really like Paul Bettany as Vision. So I hope that they find a way to keep the character. Even if he is the emotionless husk Vision. And maybe at some point they can not bring Vision back. But, uh, you know, have him learn and, and uh, you know, gain um, emotions or whatever. Um, I, I do agree it might be a little too soon to merge them. Although... Personally, because I enjoy Paul Bettany and I enjoy him as Vision, I kind of don't mind that. But I do understand what you're saying, that it is it, it is a little bit of a cop-out. Although, Wanda would have gone on a journey about grief. 
so it's not like she didn't learn anything. Um, but uh, I'm so torn because I just I like Vision, and I don't want to lose the character. But um, story wise, it, we probably will lose the character. I think the only way to um, to uh, fix that problem if they do end up doing what Priscilla said, and I have read theories about that online. People think that both of the visions are going to combine. The only way to end the series would be if she loses the kids. And um, if she loses the kids, I could see that kind of pushing her over the edge. You know, she would... Uh, in essence, maybe be happy that Vision is back, but then the kids disappear. And if that's what makes her go mad, or if or if that's what sort of spawns the idea of the multiverse of madness, where she's searching the multiverse for her kids, um, I don't know how immediately she's going to jump to the multiverse. So that's I feel like something has to happen to create the multiverse of madness. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know how they're going to do that, though, um, unless they do bring back the idea of the Nexus and the Nexus beings or just the Nexus location. Um, clearly, they included that as a commercial for a reason, I would think. So maybe that's something that'll come back in the next episode. I don't know. Um, I do co-sign the Doctor Strange cameo. I feel like it's important. A Nick Fury cameo would be awesome. Hayward being taken down is necessary. Uh, I do need a little bit more answers when it comes to Monica and where she is and maybe um, some sort of example of her powers. And uh, I think I need a little bit of an answer as far as uh, fake Pietro, Pietro, as, uh, as Agatha called him. Um, is he just like a normal person there? Or um, some people were wondering if maybe he's Nicholas Scratch himself. Uh, I don't know if that's the case, uh, but um, I feel like we need to, another scene with him, in, especially interacting with Agatha now that we know she's Agatha. Yeah. And where's Darcy? I'm just saying, you know, she's up there somewhere. Uh, okay. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things we want to see. Um, I do know it will probably be tragic. I've said this before, you know, WandaVision is probably going to end up being the funnest, saddest TV show that we've ever seen. Um, there's there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of lightness, especially with the sitcom motif, but underneath it all is just the idea of grief and um, someone, uh, you know, needing to learn how to properly express that grief, and that person is uh, Wanda Maximoff. All right, before we get into the MVP, um, anything else? Did I miss anything? Anything else anyone wants to say now or forever hold your peace? I'd just like to point out all those people who were saying the two people in the commercial were obviously Wanda's parents. Nya, 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 nya. Everyone just jumping to these conclusions and, oh, obviously this is the case. Obviously that's the case. You were wrong. That is true. That was a theory that I read online that I did mention. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, I would assume there are people in Westview somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Uh, stuck doing commercials. I haven't seen them. It is curious. Yeah. I would assume that they were probably just unlucky people that were stuck doing commercials instead of actually having character roles like everyone else in Westview. All right. So 
Now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. I'll be honest, and I don't know if we'll all agree, but I feel like there was really only one MVP. Should we all say her name together? Wanda, right? Do you agree well, Wanda, with Wanda? I think, you know, I think uh, Agnes, you know, in a supporting role was, was very good as well. Okay, so I'll just collectively, we'll give them to both of them. Um, yeah, a TV line, they do a weekly Performer of the Week, and uh, they select Elizabeth Olsen as their Performer of the Week. Uh, I think it's appropriate. Uh, this is a genre television series. They usually don't get a lot of love at the Emmys or the Golden Globes, but I do hope uh, WandaVision probably has a limited series where it would have a better chance. I feel like it needs nominations. Uh, definitely uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Catherine Hahn, Paul Bettany, um, the costuming, makeup, VFX. I, I feel like they deserve all of the awards and all of the nominations, but especially, in particular, Elizabeth Olsen in this episode. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 televisions? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden television. Priscilla? How would you rate this episode? I would grant it a nine. Like, I like review episodes. I I feel like it tied at the heartstrings, but it didn't really shake me up to the core. Like, it didn't make me go, wow, something amazing happened. Oh, my God. Like, it just answered questions for me. So I'm going to give it a nine. All right. Nine TVs from Priscilla. Professor? Uh, Golden Television for me, while it did just answer questions, I thought it did so in a tremendous way. And uh, honestly, I think this was may have been my favorite episode of the series so far. Wow. Very nice. All right, we got a nine. We got a golden. I agree with one of you, and that person will be the professor. I'm living my life like it's golden. I loved the episode. It was just so good from beginning to end, and Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Catherine Hahn were stellar in the episode, but in particular Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, she was a roller coaster of emotions, and I felt every single emotion. It was just beautiful. If this was, in essence, the clip show of uh, WandaVision, it was the best damn clip show ever. Uh, and, and that line of, uh, it's time for some real-life reruns, spectacular. All right, everyone. One episode left. The season slash series finale of uh, WandaVision uh, premieres later on this week. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions? comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, everyone. And Priscilla. 
Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.